Hello, Jordan. How's it going? Uh, hey, Rob. What's up? Well, um, it's a big week for us, I think. Uh, obviously, this this uprising that's been going on across the United States has been really inspiring to see. To be honest, though, I do see sort of an opportunity for us here right now in the, our consultancy work that we do. Mm-hmm. Because as we know, I think the main kind of like slogan that's that's coming out of these protests, defund the police. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know, I appreciate where everyone's coming from uh, in the sentiment. I think it's a little bit scary. It's a little bit scary for the sort of squishy Midwestern uh, conservative leaning voters. Yep. So that was something that I thought we could really help kind of workshop that a little bit. Because we, as we both know, when these activists are on the street saying defund the police, they don't really mean defund. That's not really what no, it means. It means nah, more yeah. like reform. Yeah. You know, Be so nice I don't know, too. I know how yeah. that kind of miscommunication that happened that led to this to become the kind of dominant sort of uh, uh, phrase or, or, or slogan that's come out of this. But um, I, I think that's okay. You know, it's fine. The activists on the ground did their job. Now it's, I think, up to the sort of consultants, the think tank people like us, to really like turn this into into like a viable um, uh, movement that we can then sell to, to voters and sell to the, the Democratic Party. So I don't know if you had anything, but I had a couple of ideas that we could as slogans that we could we could use instead of instead of the scary defund the police. I thought we had some we could toss around some other ideas. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. This is like you say, when they say defund and demilitarize, they don't actually mean that. It's a catchy slogan because, you know, protesters love to chant uh, and they need to keep protests, you know, vibrant. So that's really what it is. And like you said, that then opens the door for us, the experts to come in and and really uh, refine uh, everything and and suss out the details. So yeah, I've yeah, got exactly. some, but I, I'd be curious to hear what you, if you want to start this off. Let's. I love I love our brainstorm brainstorming sessions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, okay, so I've got some good stuff here. So how about, number one? Instead of defund the police, how about respect the police? Okay, all right. right? Yeah, I'm because you know it. if there's anything, it's it's these cops that are out there, you know, committing uh, heinous acts of brutality. They're the ones that are really disrespecting the police and creating this culture of, of people that, that don't like the police. So really a key, a key part of, of turning that around, bringing the, the respect back to the police departments is going to be about reforming some of these practices. So, that's and good. I think that's, that's something you can say to voters. They're not going to get scared. They're not going to think that, you know, they're, that Democrats want to do the purge in their, in their little town and everything like that. So that would, that was just me. That's my number one idea. We respect the police. I mean, you're setting the bar really high. I'm afraid to yeah, go, well, but I, I've got a couple. I've got, I've got other good stuff here, man. I got, I got a whole list of stuff here. To well, go geez, on. don't bury me already. Come on. <laughs> I wanna. Um, so I, I was thinking, we are in a new era, right? This, we're turning the page. We're collectively saying, like, hey, this is not right. Um, we need to we need to change the way things are happening. And what part of the country do you think symbolizes change more than anything else? And before you even say anything, let me just say it's Silicon Valley. So yeah. for that, we yes. lean into that kind of a mindset. Disrupt the police. I'm thinking Ooh. smart police. They've got they've got smart watches. They've got smart body cams. They've got smart cars. We just overhaul we just pump tons of money into it 
every police department across the country, every last penny we can find, we pump into the police and buy them new smart devices for everything. The internet of things for police. You follow me? Like, this is, we just go yeah. overhaul. We reboot the police and we disrupt the policing sector. We are I the love policing this. innovators. Yeah. Well, it's someone could, I mean, you could even have like a police app on your phone oh. when you need the police. You know, you can, you can call up the app. Maybe even, you know, get the human element out of there, have sort of like a fleet of drones. You can oh. like choose a different color of drone that you want sent to your house. And it, it like speaks to you in like a, a calming celebrity voice, like Ellen DeGeneres, maybe okay. before it tases you. Uh huh. That could I like be that. Yeah. Yeah. That could be something that could, that could be really good. That would work. Yeah. Okay. So here's, we're, we're running low on time. We're going to keep, keep uh, uh, brainstorming this, but this one actually needs more of a slogan. This doesn't exactly fit on a bumper sticker or anything, but there's something here and I, we just need to workshop it a bit more, but uh, give police access to tax advantage savings accounts anytime they apologize to someone immediately after shooting them. Oh, that's a great idea. Hello, everyone. Hello and welcome. It's The Insurgents. It's episode 26. Uh, this is Rob Rousseau here, uh, along with Jordan Ewell. Jordan, what is up? How's it going over there? Hey, Rob. Uh, just hanging out. Been doing a lot of gaming lately. Been, you've been gaming? Oh, so a big different, kind of mm -hmm. a change kind from of your normal... Kind of mixing things up, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Did you catch that, like, PS5 thing today? Yeah, the, the I saw release? some of it. Uh, I have uh, evolved. I'm now a PC gamer. Oh yes, yes, of course. So my, my mistake. PC, Sorry, I didn't I've mean been to. A PC gamer. Sully your ears with talk console talk now. Yeah, about two weeks I've been a PC gamer. So please, please uh, <laughs> show some respect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's okay. Um. Folks, we've got Brian Quimby coming on the show uh, just a little bit. Brian Quimby from Street Fight Radio. Um, and we had a great conversation with him. He's of course based in uh, Columbus, Ohio. That's been one of the sort of hubs of the, the uprisings around America right now. And Brian has a whole lot to say about, uh, you know, the police, the, the protests, the, um, the, the Capitol Hill autonomous zone over in Seattle. Um, we had a great conversation with him. I think you're really going to enjoy it. That was really good. Um, Brian's got, yeah, I think, uh, unique perspective his show street fight is really popular and as we talked about on the show i mean he could really speak to working class issues and i think that the strength of their show is that they're late they're lay people they they understand problems that you know affect people outside of uh, coastal elite bubbles and affect working class people um and i think the their message resonates because of that so it was really enjoyable always also always happy to talk to a fellow ohio uh metalhead that was that was great yeah we talked about new metal for a, a long time that's <laughs> like a big yeah. chunk of the conversation that was great yeah no absolutely i mean there's such a street fight such an influential uh show you know i certainly wouldn't be doing what i'm doing uh now in terms of podcasting and stuff without without the sort of the the 
the trail that they blazed uh, over there with Brett and Brian. So really thankful he was able to to come on the show. Um, so let's not uh, we don't need to chit chat too long here before we bring on uh, Brian Quimby. Um, before he comes on, though, we do, we do just have another couple of reviews uh, to read. Um, some of which are okay. It's honestly, it's another kind of batch that I'm not really too thrilled with, honestly. But you know, we got we got the we got the segment where we talk about the reviews, so I guess we got to. I guess we just have to do it. I still don't have like a musical intro to get us into this segment. I it's something I need to think about at some point. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. We'll we'll make do. Yeah. Okay. So let's just read a couple of these reviews before we bring on Brian Quimby. Um, here's review number one, uh, written by Intern Number Three, hmm. uh, over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it says, "Who rescued who? Hey, Jordan and Robe. That's Jordan with an I and in the word Robe. Well, just before Jordan, we those are not our names. No, that's not my, how you spell my name. Yeah, that's not." Uh, anyway that's that's how it starts it says i heard you're looking for a new home for ken and i wanted to offer up my place it's upstate and it's got a lot of land for him to roam i also have taken in his siblings ed and brian after they were kicked out of their home by jack dorsey i figured that with ken here i won't need to waste my time listening to your podcast at double speed just to get through all the non-ken parts and i can get all the content i need so just let me know uh, I don't know if that was the most helpful review. No, I mean, Ken is not even on on every episode. He's only on a few episodes, so mm-hmm. I don't see why you'd even listen if that's the only thing you want to want to hear. I mean, he's literally banned from the show. We've mentioned this many times. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, are you okay? I'm, I need to cool down. But are you all right? <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> really did not like that. I didn't like getting it. I did not like reading it. Oh my god! And I would just—I—I I don't know how many times I have to say this. I would prefer if people stopped sending us reviews like that. <laughs> um, you can at least spell our names correctly. Uh, they're not difficult. My name is only three letters, so that's a pretty—it's actually yeah. more difficult to spell it wrong, I think, than it is to to just spell it the proper way. But anyway, yeah. the other ones—the other ones are probably better, right? Yeah. Oh boy. Okay, so this next review uh, is, comes from Taxable Income. Um, it says, it says, Jorb and Rodan are libs. I love the podcast, Ken's Clips. Boy, where do we start there? Yeah, that's, <laughs> what is Jorb and Rodan? That's, that's so, that's yeah. so not our names that it's. Offensive. It seems like it's almost intentional at this I point. It that might people be. are doing this. I, 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 I'm starting to suspect that the listeners are doing this on purpose. Fuck. I don't want to go out. I don't want to go out on a limb here, but I think they're doing it on purpose. Yeah. To, tr- Again, to, to troll us. Yeah. Again, it's Jordan and Rob. Um, mm-hmm. Could could not be more clear about this. It's very simple. Very common names. Try to get that right. The podcast is not called Ken's Clips. No, it's not. It's called The Insurgents. Mm-hmm. I don't see how this what I don't see how people are getting this information. I don't see how this is kind of happening. I don't really get it. But that's the other that's that review. Did you want to read the last one or do you want me to go ahead with this? Is this the one on from June 5th? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll read it. From Ron Garland. Great show, 5 stars. We like to joke 
but they really have one of the best investigative reporters in the U.S. appear on the show regularly, Ken Krasenstein. So you can get his name right, but yeah, you want to get our names little... wrong? I. All right, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this, a lot of the listeners of the show do need to get kind of a little bit of a a political education here, and just start to just just start to grasp the basic facts about the show, the what it's called, <laughs> who's who's hosting it, the the guest names. This just seems to me like it's just basic. When you're leaving a review, you should have this basic information. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's too much to ask for for some of our listeners. That's um, that, that that's all the reviews for now. I'm not really happy about any of these, to be honest. So if we could try and improve the quality of the reviews, everybody, uh, that would be great. But but anything you can do uh, to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, it it is helpful. But yeah, I would I would appreciate if the quality was improved a little bit. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um. What else? There, there's not much else. Brian's going to come on the show in just a minute. Um. Theinsurgents.substack.com. Please subscribe over there if you can. Uh, you can send us an email. Keep reviewing the show. You can send us a voicemail. This is all in the show notes. Uh, each week, each week the show comes out in your email. You can find all this information. We always love, not always, but we we often enjoy hearing from you. <laughs> so please keep sending that in. We 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 appreciate that usually. And and that's all. Let's bring on Brian Quinby. Uh, we had a great it. talk. And yeah, he's going to be joining the show right after this. Brian, uh, we, we typically start these these shows with you know small talk about gaming, but as I said, we would like to uh, capitalize on our time with you and talk about new metal. So for like an icebreaker question, uh, do you have a favorite Slipknot mask? Oh. Where would you rank like the top three Slipknot masks over the years? I like the new Corey one for yeah. this newest album. And then uh, we actually talked about Slipknot on the POD cast. Let me, I got to look it up. I like the nails guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that's the best. I think he has the best vibe. But, like, I didn't know this until we started the POD cast, but they changed them every single album. Yeah. Yep. And now these things are being made by Hollywood special effects guys and stuff <laughs> where it's like, they're pretty crazy, but I think the new Serious mask shit, I think my favorite thing is the Corey Taylor mask that he uses now where he's like, eh, everybody's seen my face, you know, but how about we get something comfortable? Because like, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I've never been in a band or anything, but, uh, that's I gotta do, be very hot. Yeah. That's what I was. That's what I'm saying. I was like, I, I do our live shows and I'm, sweating the entire time so i can't imagine that wearing like the original slipknot masks wasn't with the jumpsuits and everything too yeah yeah (laughs) i i mean like Corey taylor the lead singer's first mask was like it covered his entire head and i was like why would you even like (laughs) make that decision when especially because it's like you don't have any money so there's no way it's vented or you know there's something in it to happen that's why i really like his new one because it does look creepy 
but and it is like a clear like and it just covers like his face area not his forehead or the back of his head uh it's almost like it's almost like a face mask you would wear because of the pandemic but it also goes to the eyes and it's uh you can see through it so i think it looks kind of creepy and it looks comfortable I've always been okay. a fan of mix, like the uh, the metal. His has been mostly consistent, I guess. Um, it's either Chris or, or something with the with the nails. His has been consistent, and the guy with the long nose, uh, his as well. But mix has always been my favorite. It's like the metal one with the ventilated mouth. He just kind of like just adjusts the shape a little bit every album. It does. It is. It's uh, uh Craig Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. His nickname is one thirty three. And uh, he has the Spikes mask. And yeah. I think the Spikes mask is... Uh, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I, <laughs> I have been... um I'm reading a book right now called Louder Than Hell. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And it's an oral history of heavy metal. And I was just reading about uh, the grindcore scene where they would like... Uh, or no, death metal. Where and and there was like an interview with Deicide, which was a guy when I was growing up that people were really freaked about. You know, like uh, uh, people remember Marilyn Manson and people remember Eminem as guys that people were freaked about. But Deicide uh, uh, branded an upside down crucifix on his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to get much more metal than that That's i know <laughs> i know and he's talking in the interview about how like he would make these uh arm plates that had sharp jagged metal off of them and he would just jump in the audience and cut the shit out of everybody's backs and i'm like god that's why i love metal so much (laughs) it's like you go to a concert and you're getting beat up by the lead singer it's like the coolest thing in the world yeah well that's the thing i remember like when slipknot came out i was never really into the new metal thing because you know i was around this time i was really into like hardcore and like the Victory Records bands, and you know, like uh, Converge and stuff like that. So I thought I thought Slipknot was like too mainstream for me. I was like, get the, yeah, it's too too pop for me. But I guess I was maybe being a little bit too precious. They're like seventeen. I mean, like me when you start looking at some of these bands, like because I I do a podcast where we go back and listen to the albums, and there are like some legitimately good metal bands, but they're new metal bands that kick ass and if you like like hardcore or you like maybe if you like thrash i don't think you'll ever get into new metal but if you're into stuff like hardcore or 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 any of that stuff like there are things you could go back industrial there are mm-hmm. things you can go back and listen to where you're like oh man that is like actually interesting good music but uh yeah. We're on a, like a real run on on the POD cast where we just uh, two months ago we did Puddle of Mud, <laughs> which was a, d- the worst album I've ever listened to until <laughs> the next month when we did Whitey Ford sings the blues, which is oh. now the worst album I've ever listened to. <laughs> Man, I, I I was thinking. So you, Rob, you talk about when Slipknot came out. I think about uh, Slipknot's self titled album came out when I was like. 11 or 12 and i remember going to the mall and seeing all of the older kids had like slipknot t-shirts and like the hot topic was just filled with with slipknot <laughs> merch and i was just like enamored with it but i grew up in like a super 
religious family, so I wasn't allowed to listen to them. So I just like never really got into them until later. I think All Hope is Gone when that came out. I was like, oh yeah, I'll check it out. And then went back and listened to the self-titled album in Iowa and just I think it just I think it aged really well. Those guys are yeah. Corey Taylor's voice is just fantastic. It's a fantastic fit for that band. That, that, Slipknot is a band that aged like pretty like everything they did it doesn't sound new metal anymore i mean that first album has a little bit of rapping mm-hmm. and some uh, uh turntable in it but uh they they did they aged really well all of that stuff is very good rob i can get you stuff yeah. that i think that you could <laughs> please be do. into i mean yeah. you gotta get the deftones going oh, like, yeah, oh yeah for sure I, I am i i think they transcended that genre a lot like they were really kind of in a class above above all that to me i feel like you have to recommend deftones as new metal because it makes like there's this it elevates weird thing. the whole genre right <laughs> well there's this weird thing about new metal that nobody wants their favorite bands to be new metal right like me and brett uh uh before i started doing the podcast with john me and brett would talk a lot about new metal and uh we called rage against the machine new metal and uh it made people very mad (laughs) it's like a knee-jerk reaction you just don't want you don't want to conflate the two right and then like i was like okay like i kind of understand it because they came out before the boom right like so that album came out but their first album came out before corn's first album so like, it was like 93, I think. Yeah, and 92, I believe. I think it was written Damn. in 89, actually. Oh, and wow. um, which that that's a time that first Rage Against the Machine album is so timeless that like, oh, yeah. like with metal, it can be very hard to be timeless, I think, because yeah. it's such a like a, a fluid thing. But like uh, then it got to a point where like I would be like, you know, I listen to a lot of new metal like Syst- I like System of a Down. I like Deftones, and people would be like, neither one of those are new metal. And I'm like, come on. Dude. Now you're just saying it because you don't want it to be true. Yeah. Anyway, personally, I can't listen to Rage Against the Machine anymore. Ever since they got all political, I just, you know, I can't enjoy it anymore. I love them because I just got my $290 back for a refund for the tickets oh. I bought. Hey, I'm holding on to mine. I the, the, That's a huge bucket list show for me, and they're doing two shows in D.C., uh, and I lucked out and got tickets for both. I'm just going to cross my fingers and hope it gets rescheduled that we can go outside again. I sort of <laughs> feel like uh, uh, I-, I wanted to get- hold on to the tickets and I really wasn't dying to get that $300 back. I It was gone and I had spent it in February. But uh, um, the they rescheduled it. It was a July show in Cleveland. And uh, they rescheduled it to like August 21st. And for the past five years... Uh, Street Fight has been on tour on Labor Day weekend. And I'm not going to black, I can't, I don't want to black out, you know, the week before Labor Day because I expect to hope and pray that we're back on the road <laughs> again right. at some point in 2021. We've written off 2020, but we hope to be back out there in 2021. Yeah. If, I mean, if there's, if there's a raid show, you guys would definitely be on tour. Um, yeah, I think so too. And and again, it's just too close to Labor Day. We we like to we like to be on the road for Labor Day weekend and Memorial Day. I haven't been home for Memorial Day or Labor Day in like since 2016. It's just it, first of all, I'm a big wrestling fan. So, 
like uh, AEW does a wrestling show in Chicago every year on on Labor Day weekend, and I want to be at those. So <laughs> naturally, we book a show in Chicago and we go. There. <laughs> I think we might if they keep the Capitol Hill autonomous zone. I'm <laughs> probably getting that wrong, but if that is still around after Monday of next week, I have a funeral I got to go to on Monday. But if that is still around after Monday, I think me and Brett are going to drive down and and check it out and maybe nice. film some stuff for the TV show, do some yeah. interviews, or uh, uh, even just do the podcast there. Oh, that'd yeah. be great. Let's actually like because we're going to get to this. I think I'd, I'd like to devote some more time to this. But before we like jump into all this stuff, Brian just wanted to say welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, coming on the show and talking to us. It's great to have you. Thank you. It's good. I've talked to you before, Rob, and it was yes. very fun. And uh, I'm definitely, you know, I- I'm gonna have you back around. Now that I know that you hate new metal, I gotta have Jordan <laughs> on the POD cast to talk about his like of it. But yeah. now I gotta get, I gotta make you listen to a bad album, like I've done. Well, they, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't even want to say I hate it. I think I think I was jaded when I was a teenager when it was when it was kind of popular. Now I think I can probably go back and find a bunch of stuff that I do like. Uh, so I don't want to just I don't want to just write off the whole genre. We've been torturous to people actually, except for Molly Lambert is the only person we didn't torture. Uh, <laughs> basically, we made Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die. We made him listen to an uh, uh, Ozfest nine. Uh, it was an Ozfest '99 compilation album oh, of live. God performances nice. and it fucking it sucked it would like wasn't even a good Ozfest, you know <laughs> we made uh we made chris james listen to the woodstock 99 metal side of the album <laughs> which is terrible if you look at what's on the metal side of the Ozfest 99 uh or woodstock 99 album you will be like this doesn't there's a song called four and it's track six on the album and i don't even like understand why they would do that it makes zero (laughs) sense but but we let molly lambert listen to the deftones covers album but we made felix listen to uh whitey ford sings the blues and we made nick weiger watch a fucking horrendous corn documentary So basically, if you get asked to do the POD cast, you're probably stuck doing something that sucks. <laughs> well, I'm fine with doing that as well. That's yeah. okay. Well, it's fun. It, you know what? <laughs> There's nothing more fun than shitting on puddle of mud. You know, that's that's yeah. been my experience. Oh, what do you think of his? Uh, sh- what song did he cover? About recently? a girl. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was not good. It. That it's was not actually good. one of the greatest covers I've ever heard. <laughs> I it's, Brett sent that to me right before it went viral. He sent it to me like in the middle of the night. And as soon as he sent it to me, I watched it three times in a row. And uh, my wife was sitting next to me and she was like, please stop listening to that. <laughs> Those high notes are deceptively difficult. You really need me. It's, it's uh, you know what I find interesting about that the most is like he's been accused of ripping off Kurt Cobain since like the very beginning. Like Fred Durst believed that the lead singer of Puddle Mud was the next Kurt Cobain, and like his voice isn't entirely different from Kurt Cobain's if you listen to other songs, but like somehow. 
That sucked worse than anything ever. <laughs> Maybe he's just lost it with with age and just not not being in the not being in it anymore as much. He's a he's a pathetic guy. You you should do some reading up on him. He he uh he's a guy that like really likes to be famous and he I think he very much misses being famous, you know? Like where where it's like I'm a guy. I, he was a guy. His their first album sold like three million copies, and their second album sold three hundred thousand. Oh god! And it's huge I think off. that crushed him. Like because yeah. yeah. he's been arrested a bunch of times. He 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 got his house foreclosed on. He got arrested for trying to ride the baggage carousel at an airport. He got arrested for uh, uh, trying to rig a bomb on his car so that people hmm. didn't uh, break into it at night. So <laughs> he's, I mean, he's that's a just smart. weird dude. <laughs> That is, I mean, hey, you know, <laughs> in my world, you're allowed to rig a bomb to your yeah. car. Well, you're just going to let people break into your car? And that doesn't seem. <laughs> and I, I got to say, though, that Puddle of Mont's, the first single, I had to look it up, Blurry. Oh, yeah. I don't want to say the song is good, but the riff, I remember, like the whole beginning part, pretty good. Pretty I like the stuff. chorus of that. I like that song quite a bit. <laughs> and I like She Fucking Hates Me. And I don't. I can't figure out why I like it because it's kind of like antithetical to everything that I believe and like in this world. But every time I hear it, I'm like, ah, oh, man, if they could have made more of these, they'd be the biggest band. They'd be the new Beatles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. In the in the Earth too, when when Hillary is president, Puddle of Mud is the the big Beatles esque. They play the inauguration. Pop stars. Yeah, they play the inauguration. <laughs> well, now we've got we've got a large chunk of, of small talk, <laughs> of metal small talk should we talk about how the world is burning <laughs> yes yeah, uh, brian i mean well that's also very metal it, yeah, is, it is metal. yeah the society collapsing and the, the u.s empire is like moribund uh you know empire collapsing on itself is is also quite metal but um yeah brian so we got the, i mean setting aside the kind of massive uh uprising that's going on right now uh throughout the u.s and throughout places all over the world right now just focus just with the pandemic how have you been holding up the last couple of months I and mean, how has that been going for you uh you know i i uh the very beginning of it there was a lot i had a lot of anxiety and uh i was freaking out and and then i talked to my doctor and my doctor said you know and I can't recommend doing this enough. My doctor said, you're healthy enough that if you get it, you probably aren't going to die. And that helped me a lot. And I've been, you know, wearing a mask and washing my hands and stuff like that when I have to go out. And, you know, I come home and take a shower right away. Uh, but uh, I, I just the thing that hit me the hardest is not doing live shows like it's been very hard yeah. to accept that uh, I can't perform live and probably won't be able to until next year. I, I, I've been on the road since 2015, and it just feels like a huge thing was taken away from me. How's your, um, you said you had a teenage daughter. How's she handling the whole the whole thing? Uh, With the school you know, and everything. I don't know how it works. The schooling, uh, uh, her district at least kind of said, like, y your grades are going to be what you had when you leave. <laughs> When, when when school yeah. was canceled, right? Like, so it was like, as long as you made an effort to do the work, 
your grades basically stayed what they were when the thing started. Uh, they couldn't like go down. So uh, the grade the it seemed fine. Uh, you know, she really misses uh, hanging out with her friends and like you know going out yeah. and doing stuff. And uh, we're starting to ease into you know letting her have people over. She's stayed the night at a friend's house every a, a couple of times, and and she's starting to do stuff. But like you know, the pools are closed, and and there's not really anything to do this summer all all of your summer traditions are gone and i think that's hard for a teenager to deal with yeah of course yeah man i this is the second guest in a row we've tried to talk about how their kids are kind of feeling confined um man i can't imagine i just can't imagine how frustrating that must be especially as like for people who are you know just looking forward to like the summer coming and getting out and doing stuff but also like and this is probably, I mean, this is a lot of what you talk about and think about, Brian. Just like now the impact that has on families who uh, might be, you know, both needing to work or both are unable to now to find uh, childcare in the summer uh, that might have relied on school programs or, or summer programs to keep kids occupied. Um, I mean, what's been what's been on your mind? What's is, is do you see? We saw a lot of praise at the onset for Ohio's response to this um, as someone who's, you know, close to the issue there in Columbus. Do you think that uh, people are uniquely are situated uh, enough and prepared enough to to tackle this looming problem? No, I, I here's what I think. <laughs> what happened here was, yeah, like very early on, uh, Mike DeWine, the Republican governor, did do everything right, you know, and and was sort of a leader Really? Uh, 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 I know that I had read that Kentucky was basically doing what he did like the day after he did it. But Jeez. he started opening stuff up, I feel, a little bit early. Yeah. And uh, um, I mean, what's the point? What, if you're going to open everything up early, then what was the point in the lockdown anyway? Yeah. Is, is kind of how I felt. Like, so, like, once these places started to be like, okay, everything's opening back up, it sort of erased whatever the other, whatever it was that they were supposed to be trying to do from, from, from the lockdown. Uh, I, 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 you know, the Ohio state legislature, uh, really worked hard to get things out, open back up. Uh, the Dr. Amy Acton, is our is is the uh, doctor the epidemiologist that you know they're they're taking her advice and she was able to you know extend lockdown for as long as she needed and then the republicans took that power away from her and and were making her justify lockdown every two weeks so and they were able to just cancel it at that point so uh no we, we did not in the end i don't feel like Ohio handled it the 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 best way possible. I think I think I I I did have a lot of faith and was very impressed early on, but but after that it was at once they opened back up it was just like, "Well, okay. Like we might as well not yeah. have closed." Well, that's what like that's kind of what we're seeing too, right? Is that I think people were willing to make certain sacrifices at the beginning, but no one like no, it's not even an American thing, but no one really in the West I think has the stomach for like, "Okay, this is our next 2 years now." And, and like, it seems like 
as much as people were willing to make that sacrifice now is people kind of people are like okay well now it's we're just going to open back up and kind of try to forget about it and this is just going to be the new normal that of uh, you know a couple hundred thousand extra people every year are going to die of this disease and this is just going to be something we're going to get used to it also feels like i i had said before because people were like oh why are we uh, uh opening back up when we're just going to lock back down again and your point is right that like they're not ever locking down again like <laughs> lockdown is fucking over but you also, I, I identify with the people who wanted lockdown to end because the government was doing nothing to help. Yeah. And well, people never have to go back to work. They had no choice. Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't, the, the people, you know, that listen to our show, the people that call into our show, like usually work service industry jobs and stuff like that and and they were sort of expressing their frustrations with that because they were deemed an essential service but you know every other time of the year they they're kind of like treated like shit but uh or told that their job is not important but but there were so many people that lost their jobs that you know they made it very hard to get unemployment in a lot of states florida is the like best example of that and um, of course, people wanted to go back to work. Of course, they they wanted lockdown to end. They didn't have money. You can't pay your rent. And like they weren't talking about canceling rent. They were talking about putting your rent on the back end or like, yeah, developing a payment plan to get your rent paid. And it's the same thing with like your electric bill and your gas bill and all these things. Nobody was offering to like get rid of those things they were just offering to kick the can down the road so i mean if i had a real job and i was put in that situation i would have wanted to get back to work too you know yeah i, th I think about so on on, on the child care point earlier I, a friend had pointed out to me the other day that they're worried about new york and kids in New York and because we don't have any progress made on this police brutality front and because there's, there's there were already heightened tensions between communities and police and now those are further strained because of police abuse this lack of, of child care and, and family support in the summer from both like public institutions and private institutions they're worried about increased police brutality to kids who are just out playing um, and maybe just, you know, without supervision or just kind of doing their own thing. And because police don't have de-escalation and they, they're just prone to violence, um, my friend was expressing like concern that we're going to see an increased amount of police violence toward kids in New York. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if you guys have heard anything about that. Or like the, it seems plausible enough, but it just it just really highlights this complex issue that we're now facing between the the pandemic and the moment we're in around the george floyd uprising yeah and and you know you can also see the 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 part of like you're maybe gonna see an uptick in sort of uh uh what i would call like mischievous crime it's probably not life-threatening it's not robbing people but vandalism and stuff like that like kids are bored we're, yeah. we're not providing them with anything to do. 
I, I don't know what they're supposed to do. And I know that I grew up in, in the suburbs in a place that was very boring. And the way that I passed the time was vandalism and stealing car stereos. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm very, I, I, I guess like I'm interested in what, what does happen over this summer. I mean, something that I've been beating the drum for since the the George Floyd uprisings has been like we need to if the democrats were taking this seriously at all they would be working on decreasing the amount of encounters that people can possibly have with the police because the truth is nobody wants to have an encounter with the police nobody and and like uh so what that would mean to me would be things like you know, the police don't have to show up on a shoplifting, you know, call. They, they, yeah. they You can send the kid home and then I guess, I, I don't know, like I'm an anarchist, so I don't really care. But you can file some sort of a report and just send the kid home. The police, uh, the, the war on drugs has to end. It has to end if we're serious about you know, getting rid of police brutality and we're not serious about abolishing or defunding, you know, because the Democrats are obviously not serious about abolishing or defunding, but they're also not serious about reducing our encounters with the police that could end in police brutality or being killed. Well, and then you had that whole thing this week to her, because this has been on Biden's platform for a while that like we're going to give more money to police departments for like community policing. But you would think over the last two weeks, maybe someone in the campaign might have thought like, hey, maybe we should adjust this a little bit. Uh, it seems a little tone deaf, but no, no adjustment. They're coming out with like we're, we're literally going to do the opposite of what the activists are saying. We're not going to defund. We're, we're just going to like toss more money at this problem, which we've just been doing endlessly for the last couple of decades. And the violence has always just continued and ramped up. The prison populations have become more and more full. And it's like, it's like, I don't understand how they can look at this moment and not see like an opportunity to, to make a big impact. But it's like, they're just, they're completely paralyzed. And that's so, that's really worrying. I think if you, you know, if you, if you, if you don't like Trump and you want to get him out of there and you want the Democrats to like be successful and be good, it's really, I imagine it's really frustrating to see them continually, like not really rise to the moment, whether it's with the pandemic stuff or with the, with this current uprising and, and talking about criminal justice reform. I mean, it's like no one's really meeting the moment at all. Right. Yeah. The Democrats, uh, this, this thing that Joe Biden is doing too about community policing is a hundred percent bullshit because like the the definition of the, the, one of the key components of community policing is that the police live in the neighborhood that they're patrolling and they understand the dynamics and the culture of the neighborhood. And that is a key component to what community policing is. And I highly doubt that that $300 million is going to buy cops houses in the neighborhoods that they're patrolling. You know, yeah. uh, I, I don't, I think that community policing there, it is a real thing. Like I, I did criminology. I did a, a semester of criminology in college where I took like, for criminology classes and i i learned about the concepts of community policing and the things that joe biden is saying are not 
the important parts of what community policing is. You know, you, you really, what you want is if you're going to have the cops and you're going to make them be around, then you want them to understand, uh, the, again, the culture of the neighborhood that they're patrolling. You want them to know the people in the neighborhood. You want them to, uh, uh, not arrest people if they absolutely don't have to, you know, and none of that stuff, none of that stuff has happened. I mean, he even said something about, uh, uh, um, people with mental illness. If people are having some sort of, uh, episode that, yeah, we're not going to just send the police. We're going to send the police with a social worker. And like, if the police are there, there's still a very high probability that they're going to decide they have to beat up or shoot that person. <laughs> that happened here in, in Columbus. I mean, the thing about the Columbus Police Department is is they're especially brutal. And uh, um, Jerron, uh, God damn it, I keep for, forgetting his last name. Jerron Thomas was a local, uh, he, he was a rapper, and he also, he had schizophrenia and he was having a schizophrenic episode and he had been doing cocaine and, uh, he, he was just kind of like having this episode and he called the police to come cause he was like, you know, I'm hearing voices. I, I, I did cocaine. I think I'm going to die. Somebody please help. He didn't actually call the police. He called 911. They sent the police. And then he ended up dead. And we've yeah. never even had the explanation for how he died. They never, yeah. they, they didn't even feel the need to explain why he died, how he died. He was just yeah. beaten and then dead the next day. And it's shocking how often that kind of thing happens too with wellness checks and, and mental health crises and stuff. Right. They're not equipped to handle anything except for uh, in any way other than shooting or hitting. And, uh, we, we really don't need that, you know, like we don't need anybody to provide that, that service, you know, it's a really, <laughs> yeah. the, the shittiest thing about this country is that like, uh, uh, when it comes to mental health situations, the real op, the real only option is have a bunch of money and be able to check into a hospital or go to jail. And, yeah. uh, uh, I took a, I took a field trip when I was in college to jail and uh, the guy that was giving us the tour of the jail was explaining to us, like, it's really not that bad to be in jail. Like a lot of people with mental health issues and stuff come to jail so that they can kind of get off the streets. And it's like, well, couldn't there be like a place that's not jail for that to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. God damn. Another thing, so you talked about like the brutality of the Columbus police, and one thing there was a story in the news this week: um, the the protester who, because of passive language that is so often uh, invoked to grant deference to the police and defend the police in headlines, uh, she wasn't actually killed by the police. She was yeah. uh, she was killed by the tear gas uh, at the protests. Yeah. After um, she was exposed to tear gas and pepper spray that was discharged by the police as part of crowd control. Yeah, it wasn't caveats. it wasn't explicitly them, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so what's what is the latest with uh, the protester who was killed by the police in, in Columbus? Have you been following that story, Brian? Uh, I did. I, I did. I was looking at it yesterday. Um, it's a really odd story because you know how the media covers the police. So like 
uh, in the Dayton Daily News, I know for sure that they said uh, they went to an ER nurse, and the ER nurse was like, yeah, it was probably an overdose. Oh but God. they hadn't even done a toxicology <laughs> report on her yet. And uh, um, they just printed that as like, mm, maybe she did drugs. Her parents said she never had really drug problems, which, you know, obviously uh not everybody's parents know that they do drugs but but i i just think like uh the way that the news is reporting on this that people in the city are are either a hundred percent they believe that she was killed by the tear gas because the police did deploy a lot of tear gas here i mean my daughter and my wife and i got hit with tear gas and uh it sucks by the way don't get hit with tear gas it's terrible but uh, they were macing the shit out of people. I mean, the police in Columbus were the most brutal I've ever seen police act. And I have been to uh, I was at J20 and I was at um, I was at I, I went to Pikeville, uh, Kentucky for a counter protest to a Klan rally. And, and I've just I've been to uh, I was at the DNC and the RNC. Like I've been to a lot of places where there are a lot of police and there's sometimes clashes with police. And even I was very shocked with how brutal the Columbus police acted last weekend. Well, especially too, like when it's when it's a nationwide uprising in response to police brutality, the idea that police in Columbus and elsewhere didn't think to themselves like hey, maybe we should hold back on some of this stuff and not not live up to the exact thing that everyone's saying about us and maybe show people that we're not like that. And it seems like cops in Columbus and New York and Seattle and everywhere were just determined to be like, no, we are like that. And we're going to just, we're going to act accordingly. And just the level of, of not caring or not really like being, being aware of how they're being publicly perceived, I think was really like shocking to me. I think the other the other thing that was very shocking to me was like the that that they seemed uh, I don't know if they were unaware but they seemed fairly unaware of the difference between the way they treated the uh we need to open up Ohio protesters yes. and the Black Lives Matter protesters cuz that also is they proved racist like any person can look at that and be like yes you're racist like this is racist policing yeah. uh you're you're beating us up and none of we're all in like athletic shorts and t-shirts and uh you let people march in march around with guns and tactical gear and you were just like kind of gently standing they, they like i walked by that protest right and uh at the open Ohio protest, there were three cops there and they were standing across the street from it and just kind of leaning up against a, uh, a pillar on the building across the street and just relaxing. There were, was nobody standing outside the state house or anything like that. Like nothing happened at that protest because the police didn't escalate that protest. They escalated these protests and they knew what they were doing. You know, I, I think I think the police understand that they can riot and it will get blamed on us every time. Yeah, they they deliberately escalated tensions. And because, I mean, as we talked about, even when people are murdered by the police, the media will give them the benefit of the doubt. And as we saw in Congress, Democrats won't push back. So they have no one really to challenge their power 
or their escalation. When you have the response being to, the response to defund the police calls, it's uh, hey, here's three hundred million dollars to uh, do some more trainings that everyone in your precinct is just going to sleep through anyway. You could check a box that we're done. Um, by we're the way, train here's you to a- shoot people in the legs <laughs> instead of the chest, and then we're going to call it. A yeah, name. shoot in the legs. By the way, here's an MRAP and some uh, assault rifles. Just yeah, right. have fun. Right, they're gonna buy. They're gonna buy new weapons, new crowd control weapons. Actually, because I think that they can see that this is something that's now going to happen, like <laughs> semi regularly. People are pissed off, and 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 the police know that they're gonna kill more unarmed people or and uh they know that we're going to come out on the street for it and they're going to have tear gas and in ohio and columbus they were using wooden bullets and i think the other thing about the democrats that that really bothered me was that like the mayors of a lot of these cities were democrats i mean yeah that to me is like the most galling part yeah of this thing like and then they're like just like, vote just vote, and this is going to be fixed. Yeah, vote. I'm supposed vote to vote. For who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what do you? I don't even know what to do at that point. Our mayor doesn't. Uh, uh, his term doesn't end until 2023. So it's like I don't even know. He might not face any consequences at all for this. There is a campaign to recall him, and uh, you know you can search it on Twitter. It's the uh, recall Andy Genther campaign but uh i'll tell you a story about our mayor andy ginther that happened i think a couple years ago when henry green was shot henry green was like a local guy that uh was out walking around his neighborhood and during the summer uh in columbus they do this thing called the summer policing program and they have these guys they call jump out boys and what they are is they're plank coast cops that will jump out of the car and arrest people if they see them doing something that they think is a crime and uh these police saw henry green and uh they were um they were uh he was he was unarmed and they were in plain clothes and they pulled up in a car and they jumped out and they started yelling at him and pulled a gun on him so he took off running and the police killed him they they shot him after as he was running and uh people protested we a lot of people showed up to protest and and uh it was you know a one day protest and then the very next week it might have even been the next day uh the whole protest was based around like ending the summer policing program and ending the jump out boys and uh what ended up happening was mayor genther then did a press conference like a week after the protest and said we're extending the summer policing program to year round so he doesn't do anything he like actually makes things worse and he's the de- he's a democrat he's not a republican and he's not like on our side at all <laughs> You've seen that in Seattle, too, is another thing where it's like a typically like a very progressive city uh, held by Democrats. And there was that kind of similar thing, too, where it's like we we've announced a ban on tear gas for the next 30 days. And then like the next night, they just gassed the whole street. And it's like, oh, when you read the fine print, it's like, oh, yeah, when they it turns out when they ask really nicely, then they are allowed to. But it's, uh, you know, that's a really important rule we had there for for (laughs) six hours or so. Well, that's why I was so. Uh, bothered by eight can't wait that that, oh, that yeah 
that thing is like everything on there depends on the cops not just lying and saying i felt like my life was at risk yeah which is that's what they do every time and, even and in that's the, how they even get away in with all it. the recommendations too it's just like you know use ref, not use excessive force or the in, in like little asterisk when possible and there's all these like little language things to even get out of these basic reforms that they're trying to do Warn and yeah, before shooting yeah exactly. you're, still, you're still shooting just just when warn, possible warn them yeah yeah right right it's like immediate <laughs> harm reduction and uh, uh, none of this has anything to do with, like, say, the war on drugs or anything like that. And uh, it's all kind of there. There's nothing here about. There's nothing here about the police. Like, eight yeah. uh, uh, that would stop. Like, ban chokeholds and strangleholds. They've been banned in almost every police department forever. Require de-escalation. They're not trained in that. Number one and number two that like. They don't really have to do that because in the end, they can just say that they felt they were in danger, require warning before shooting, which is like, I mean, somebody could, what is that? So they can duck the bullet. I don't like to understand what requiring warning before shooting and then exhaust all alternatives before shooting, which is another thing that's like, they don't do that. They're, they, there's no, yeah. that's not a rule that you can just make, you know? And yeah. then the next one duty to intervene is like no no <laughs> intervention from the police banned shooting at moving vehicles which is a crazy thing that i <laughs> like didn't even know that they were doing and then the use of force continuum is just a thing and then uh comprehensive reporting is another thing that's just like they're that that's all lies they can lie yeah. We've seen from this week repeatedly, and we should all know by now that cops will just fucking lie if it comes down to it. And like any cop who's who's forced to follow this like eight can't wait rules will just put on his form, yeah, I exhausted all options, I checked all these boxes, blah 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 blah, let me go home. And, and nothing's gonna be different. And the ease of which they have been able to uh get the police departments to accept these should show that it's not yeah. any kind of a real reform, you know? Yeah. It's all like responsive measures to problems without actually addressing the root cause of the problems. And, like that's like militarization and the type of training they get. Um, but I think uh, what I just heard on on a live stream earlier today, uh, someone who's worked on this for for years, Charlene Crothers, was talking about how, look, we have the we we thought it was great progress to to give cops body cameras to hold them accountable. Well, they just turn them off. Like, they'll just yeah. turn them off and then people will be dead mysteriously. And then it's back to oh, what the cop says. And the, because prosecutors and district attorneys rely on police cooperation for so much of their work, they're not really going to hold their feet to the fire because then that puts their own job in jeopardy. So then they defer to a grand jury, which is way more sympathetic to police and these types of things. And in some instances, like we saw in like the Brelo case in, in Cleveland, where he jumped up on a fucking car and fired into the car as other cops fired like 130 some rounds, killing two people and nobody was in, nobody was found guilty. Um, yeah. It's just like things like that. They just defer to the grand jury. And then the, 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 the prosecutor or the district attorney, um, argued that they should be let off to the grand jury so it's like at every step of the way justice is not being served and like these types of mealy-mouthed uh 
suggestions or just more rules uh, are, are irrelevant because the cops don't follow rules to begin with. Like, perfect example is the chokehold. Banned in New York since the early 90s. Still, one was used to kill Eric Garner and nobody got in trouble. Yeah. And the cops were just like, no, no, that actually wasn't a chokehold. It was, it was something different. <laughs> and we all saw the video. Everyone looked at it. But it's like, no, 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 you, what you don't, you know, what you saw with your own eyes, that's not what happened. And that was the end of it. And no justice happened. No justice was served. The guy and, who filmed uh, it went to jail. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> it's always the guy with the camera somehow ends up in jail too. And that's something I've been seeing a lot. I have not seen it in Columbus yet. Uh, uh, you know, maybe it's happened, but the police now going out and getting revenge on people that were protesting, like organizers. They're, yep. they're going to their houses and knocking on the door and either intimidating them or just straight up arresting them. Yep. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you saw the thing in, in Seattle of the woman getting like pulled out of her car. And the cop was like, you assaulted me. And he had like a small bruise on his shin or whatever. Oh, and my like, God. Oh, I was just talking. Uh, my daughter was telling me because she's on TikTok and uh, she's been going to the protests and stuff and 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 talking to people. And uh, I also have a niece who went to her first protests. Uh, she's she's uh, she's 21 and uh, she's you know, this is just the you know, she kind of started hanging around me and Brett and, and my family and, and like sort of just the street fight core of people and just kind of took to it. And, uh, she wanted to be there for these, these protests. And they've been telling me stories. Uh, 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 she told me that she has her, her, her mom's boyfriend's, (laughs) uh, uh, sister's husband which is like a very long way i don't know how to say it i wish they would just get married so i can make it easier but uh (laughs) he is a cop and she said that they were complaining that he got hit in the ankle with a brick (laughs) that was thrown at him and i was like that motherfucker tripped he didn't get hit like they're now now they are saying things that don't even make sense again there was the picture of i believe i can't remember which police department it might have been seattle of a candle they said somebody threw this incendiary device or something it's like it's like a fucking (laughs) bed bath and beyond scented candle yeah it's fucking crazy (laughs) there or a dry ice bomb you know like it, it was it was probably a package that was shipped through the mail that had to be kept cold yeah yeah i did want to mention too because you, you talked about like how the, the root causes of the of these conflicts and mass incarceration and police brutality are not being addressed and the war on drugs and that was another thing i saw biden was on the daily show last night and he kind of addressed this and he was saying well we shouldn't be putting people in jail for nonviolent drug crimes we should be sending the, and first of all that's kind of insulting considering the role that he played in ensuring that millions of people would be sent to jail for nonviolent drug crimes and escalating the war on drugs i mean he's he's his his, his fingerprints have been all over that but then he's saying like yeah we need we should be having like mandatory rehab centers for people that are getting drugs and it's like maybe you should just not be fucking with people that are d- doing this anyways <laughs> and just like you know forget this entire system of trying to incarcerate people in your in the prison or in a mandatory rehab center and just end the war on drugs which has been a fucking disaster anyways uh but it's 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 wild that still again given everything that's going on and given everything that has resulted in in these policies 
he's still not really like willing to even entertain this idea of not even weed, not even legalizing weed, let right. alone other drugs. I mean, we need safe supply is exactly like we need to be talking about, you know, uh, mandatory rehabs bullshit. It, it means nothing. It, it, it is a uh, jail, basically, that where you yeah. don't have to sit in a cell, because if you don't want to go to rehab, rehab isn't going to work. It just isn't. That's that's yeah. not how rehab and treatment is supposed to work. What you would do is you would have universal health care with where you could get into a rehab the second that you feel you need to go to rehab. And then I would imagine that that would be a more successful way to handle rehab. But also, like, if people want to do drugs, just let them do the drugs. Have a safe supply. Have safe yeah. guidelines for how to do these things. And just let it happen. And then you have eliminated so much crime. Like, that is the, that's the real thing about the war on drugs is like, you could eliminate a lot of crime right away by just saying, like, we're going to, uh, uh, we're going to have safe access to, to these substances because it seems as though throughout the entire history of, the human race people have liked to use these things and i don't think there's any amount of jailing that's going to stop people from doing it yeah, yeah well if that was possible probably sometime over the last 40 years you would have seen a decrease in the amount of drugs people were using instead of just steadily increasing every single year <laughs> right um, exactly you know they tried it they've tried this approach and it turns out it doesn't really work so <laughs> yeah i mean th th this idea that I mean, it is disgusting that people go to jail for nonviolent drug crimes. But to be honest, it's disgusting that people go, that people come in contact with police and the court system for any kind of drug use to me. Yeah. Well, and you see, that's why these laws were invented in the first place, was predominantly to, to imprison black people and over-police these exact communities, leading to these problems. Like, this wasn't an accident that, that this kind of circumstance developed. This is the exact reason that they embraced these these tough on crime and uh, drug war policies in the first place was specifically so they could incarcerate black people at a hugely uh, disproportionate level. Well, wasn't it <laughs> Joe, like, uh, the 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 weird drooly Kennedy that is yes, running yes. for office? Wasn't it him that said like, well, if we Wizard legalize Man. marijuana, it will take a uh, important tool for law enforcement yeah. to get access to search people's vehicles and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, they need to be able like, to just search your vehicle at any time. That's that's not going to be able to, so that's not going to work. Yeah, yeah, great. yeah. Very cool. I mean, they can still do that. Any, They can still search your vehicle anytime. <laughs> They'll find a way. With legal yeah. weed. Yeah, they always find a way. <laughs> so we have this robust conversation around defunding the police and abolishing the police and we've seen the pushback initially from uh, party loyalist dems but now we're starting to see uh some of the progressive posturing dems try to find uh legal room within those phrases and how phrases like defund the police can you know mean different things to different people yeah. uh, brian what is your what is your takeaway as you're seeing people start to do to defund the police what they did to things like medicare for all uh 
you know, I, I think I, somebody was yelling at me earlier today about defunding the police being a very unpopular thing. Uh, uh, 16% of people in some poll said that they were okay with defunding the police. And the thing that really bothers me about that is that these Democrats and the media never meaningfully engaged in what abolishment, abolition, or, or defunding actually means. They never asked experts or, or people who have been studying this for decades. They just decided that it means there's, there's not going to be anything in the place of what yeah. was once the, the police. And it, it is really frustrating to me to see that like once it, it like you said with medicare for all once you give it a name the democrats decide to tell you how it's impossible to do <laughs> and uh <laughs> that's what it seems like we've run into again yeah so you mentioned the um seattle and is it's the capitol hill autonomous zone right is that it yeah is I that correct Chaz. yes yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> what are your thoughts about that brian um do you find is that something you find do you find it inspiring or, or what do you what do you make of this? It's kind of I think it's kind of an exciting development. Uh, but people on people like I've online seem to have a, a wide variety of different opinions about this. Like what what's your take on on the the, the Chaz? I think that you know it's good that it exists. I don't think it's a negative that something like this exists. And I think more stuff like this has to happen. We should be occupying more public space and contesting public space and, and setting up our version of what we want a city to look like, you know, uh, uh, um, I understand people's misgivings with it, I guess. I mean, because people just think anarchists are weird, but, uh, but which is really in the end, all it ever is, is like people just think anarchists are weirdos. So it bothers them that they've taken over a little piece of the city. <laughs> but I think like if we don't do proof of concept for some of these con for these things, or if we don't allow people to take political actions that if we think they're misguided or wrong, just let them do it and see what happens. Then we live in a world with no possibility paralyzed with not wanting to look cringe, you know? And, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, it's such a crime now. It, it, it need actually, it needs to not be a crime to give a shit it, it, or to be sincere in this moment that we live in now or, like, I don't know where we're ever going to get, you know, uh, uh, sarcastic, ironic people, uh, aren't the most liked people in the world, you know, like in personal life. And I, 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 you know, me and Brett have made our career out of a sort of radical sincerity, uh, within scenes of, of like heavy irony. And, uh, yeah. um, I really do want to see people, uh, uh, take these things more seriously and just allow them to happen. You know, if you think it's stupid, you don't have to like let everyone know that you think it's stupid. There's like <laughs> a lot of actions that, or, or left, uh, 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 campaigns and stuff like that. And especially in the past year that I've thought are extremely stupid. And, uh, I just don't say anything. Because it's yeah. just kind of like, it's not helpful. Let people try their thing. And if it doesn't work, we'll try a new thing. Yeah. Yeah, because I thought it was it was interesting uh, how the Seattle police kind of pulled out of that area. And it seemed like they were doing so under the under the 
idea that the police station precinct was going to be burned and there was probably going to be looting and vandalism and they're kind of pulling out. So I think the fact that, you know, the protesters that were there took that opportunity to kind of do something different and try to create this kind of, uh, this sort of commune in the middle of the city. I mean, yeah, I find, I think that's, that's cool. I think it's, it's kind of inspiring and, yeah, like you said, Brian, I think people are so quick to point out that, like, oh, I can't possibly support this because it's cringe. I think it's it's not really helpful. It is important just to... I think the act of doing this is just important in and of itself. Like, whether you agree with every single detail or every single thing that happened, I think it's, like, an important act, and it shows people... It's just, like, a proof of concept. It shows people that we can have communities where we're not under the thumb of the police department and we don't have like armed patrols in our communities all the time. We can be safe and we can create this, this society that's, that's, uh, that's, you know, we got more egalitarian, that's less authoritarian. And yeah, I think that's cool. And, and maybe I don't, you know, I don't, maybe I don't know enough about it to really comment on every single decision that's been made or everything, everything that's happened. But I think that act is, is important in and of itself. And I feel the same way about Occupy Wall Street. Um, how I think it, I think that was a really important movement and you still had a lot of the same thing of kind of people on the sidelines saying like, oh, this is like dumb. The, the list of demands doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, I would be doing this or I would be doing this. And, you know, it's very easy to do that and to distance yourself from these kinds of things, ironically. But I think ultimately the act of, of going out there and creating a community and solidarity with people that that's important just in and of itself whether or not you agree with with every single individual decision that's being taken. I guess my concern, I'm just hoping that they don't get ruthlessly crushed by the police when they decide to retake that area. That's the thing that I'm kind of concerned with. But I, yeah, I, I think I think just the act of, of itself, of, of creating this kind of community, I think that's that's an important thing to do. And I think it's, it's kind of inspiring to see. I think they know they're going to get crushed by the police when it happens. You know, yeah. obviously you hope that they're safe and that that nothing too horrible happens but uh i also i know a lot of these types of anarchists that they're probably and i don't know we haven't heard from them yet but maybe sunday actually we have heard from some people that are involved in it uh we got an email from them we read on the show last night but there are probably a lot of street fight fans in in these autonomous zones and like uh i know them and i know that their heart's in the right place and i also know that they are totally prepared to get their asses kicked by the police yeah i mean and so the popularity point and i think like you mentioned like oh what if it's like seen as cringe i think that's like a concern that we all need to collectively get past because for these types of things to happen for a society to progress we're going to have to be especially if we want to be the leaders and like shape what the future looks like we're gonna to have to be the ones to take on ideas that are at first unpopular that's just how activism goes in general um and that's how organizing goes in general because it's like you look at how like marriage equality for example went and you know it's a minority of americans supported it and then you started to hit a little bit more and more and then all of a sudden out of nowhere everybody was on board and you were on the wrong side of history if you didn't support it and you look at like even how states legalized marriage equality or just i don't know, yeah just like the co- the court cases that led to it and this uh, what prompted the circuit split it was just like slow 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 and then all at once and you look at the rise in popularity of Medicare for All, and the same type of thing. So when we have these efforts, and I think this is going to be the same type of thing for defunding the police, we're going to have a small group of people who support it 
And then it's on them to ignore all of the pressure uh, to stop because, you know, it's you have a moral imperative to fight for it, whether it's seen as unpopular at first or not. You need to popularize it with people. That's just the whole point of activism and organizing. Yeah. When you talk about cringe or, or like being corny, it's like, I mean, all of mainstream culture is corny. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right, right. What what is not corny? If we're so worried about looking corny or cringe, uh, we're definitely not going to get enough people on our side. Because uh, you know, right. Young Sheldon is one of the most popular <laughs> shows on television. You know, and we're gonna That's need cringe. at least we're gonna need to peel off at least a few Young Sheldon fans <laughs> to get them on our side. Looking forward to the Young Sheldon. Uh, defund the police episode yeah. that's a crossover we all want dsa young sheldon caucus <laughs> yeah will be <laughs> nobody there can't be any yeah no now somebody's gonna send you guys they're gonna tweet at me and send you guys an email and be like actually i'm a leftist and i feel like young sheldon uh portrays really good leftist <laughs> principles <laughs> it's gonna be boston it's gonna be the boston chapter <laughs> yeah <laughs> But it is interesting, uh, this idea that, like, uh, it has to be a cool hip thing and sort of feels to me like uh, uh, um, self-sabotaging in a way at times where it feels like we get this ironic distance from everything and then something like this happens and we feel like, oh, I got to, you know, be the one to, to kind of make fun of this or, or take this down a notch. And then like, it just discourages other people from trying to do other yeah. things to a point where like, we're then not doing anything at all, except for making fun of each other. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Uh, Jordan, did you have anything else or, um, no, we wrap it up. We, no, let's wrap it up. That, that was, that was great. Thank you so much, fun. Brian. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Anytime. Yeah. Thank you. It was a good time. So where can people f uh, listen to Street Fight? Where can they follow you? And also, please plug the POD cast. <laughs> <laughs> Street Fight Radio. G uh, sorry, I was giving the email address. Just Street Fight Radio uh, on is the site. And uh, you can Street Fight Radio. You can find it on any podcast app. And then I also do a monthly podcast or twice monthly if you have the Patreon uh show called the pod cast which is all about new metal we, we me and john cullen uh review a different new metal album every month and then uh on the bonus feed we have a guest and we review a different compilation or documentary or or, or videos or some side sort of aspect of new metal but it's uh people really seem to like it and uh it's a lot of fun to do so uh check that show out i think i think if you like a comedy podcast that does not veer often into politics you might like the <laughs> pod cast. nice nice well thank you brad you're welcome i appreciate it you know on the last pod cast we had fallon bowman from kitty on and we oh, wow. nice. reviewed uh kitty's album spit so like, <laughs> nice that was very Damn. cool i got to talk to somebody from kitty so that's awesome. Living the dream, man. I am. I am. I'm meeting all my <laughs> heroes from, from when I was 19. Nice. Nice. Thanks for having me, guys. I, it was really of fun. Course. It was a really good conversation. I don't get to talk like this very often. <laughs> yeah, anytime. Yeah, well, we appreciate it. You're welcome back anytime, man. Take Thank care. You.
thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban. So please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye.